Mark, uh, we all expected uh, a, a rebuild, a teardown, but how shocked have you been about the degree to which this down-to-the-studs dismantling has been going on here, especially over the course of the past week? I, I wouldn't say I'm shocked because, I mean, Kyle Davidson's been preparing us for this, right? He's been saying it's going to be a long and painful process, but uh, boy, it is aggressive, isn't it? I mean, you know, in my mind, Alex Debrink is a 24-year-old superstar two-time 40-goal scorer, one of the other seasons he was at a 50-goal pace during the shortened COVID season. Uh, he wanted to be here. That's the thing that, that, that kind of gets me the most is he wanted to be a part of the, buy, of the rebuild. He, he was bought in. And you traded him for not much. You didn't get a single prospect in return from Ottawa. Ottawa's got a really deep pool of prospects from, from all their tanking over the years. Mm -hmm. And you didn't get any of them. And you get the number seven pick in a draft that most people thought was kind of meh. So you, I, then you trade your 21-year-old Kirby Doc for a 13th pick in that same draft. And, you know, Typically a rebuild, you're trading the 30-something guys, not the guys who are under 25. And, and you just wonder if they're going to be able to really maximize their return here. Yeah, and that's what I was going to mention next. 24 and 21 years old, if you're going through a youth movement and a rebuild, was it the number that they were going to, you know, uh, supposedly have to pay to bring it that maybe was the biggest setback in all that? I think more than anything, they, like, they, they'll be able to afford it because they're not spending to the cap the next few years. They're taking on bad contracts, if anything. Duncan Keith retired, gave him a five and a half million recapture penalty, and they're like, yeah, all right, that's a little less than we can do. It's not a big deal to them. I think more than anything is Kyle Davidson looked at his roster and said, Dabrinkit's the only thing I got. He's the only thing I got that can bring in some actual prospects and bring in some assets and things like that. And so he went and traded him. And I, I don't think it's maximizing your value, but I understand the inclination. If you don't think Dabrinkit is, he's not a center, he's not a number one defenseman, he's a winger, he's a scoring winger who is at least somewhat dependent on the quality of his linemates to feed him, obviously he was at his best with Patrick Kane on his wing, then I kind of understand, I just think you didn't get enough for him to justify trading a player of that caliber. Because Stan Bowman messed up a lot of things here. Like this is a lot, they're trying to clean up his mess. But one thing he was absolutely right about over the years was you need stars. Nobody wins in the NHL as a team effort. It's stars at the top. Look at what Colorado has, look at what Tampa has, look at what the Blackhawks had and they just traded one away for very little. And, you know, Doc being only 21 years old, he rode a three-year roller coaster ride here, and it looked like for a flash there that he had it until that wrist injury. I mean, how convinced are you? Or were you on the Doc bandwagon over the course of the last year? Although we just saw him struggle immensely yeah. with trying to get back to the bubble times. Right, yeah, exactly. Remember that, that bubble <laughs> training camp? We're like, oh my God, this guy's a superstar. I think I was higher on Doc than a lot of people were. Um, but no, he was never going to be a 70 or 80 point guy. That became pretty clear that he just, he creates the offense, but he can't finish enough to do that. But he's a good, solid defensive player. Um, he needs to work on his face-offs. Obviously, he was one of the worst face-off men in the league. But the thing about Doc is he was put in a bad position. They put him in a position to fail. Just like with Adam Boquist before him, they rushed him in the NHL too early. I don't know if we know what Kirby Doc really is yet. You know, he had a year of uh, development stunted by the, uh, uh, the broken wrist he suffered before World Juniors. He wasn't quite the same after that. He's 21 years old and you've already given up on him. And if you look back, the Blackhawks have traded every single first pick they made from 2011 to 2019. How are you so, why do you think the cupboard is so bare around here? And, and that's why you wish you could, uh, you know, go to the store and get a time travel machine because we won't know the real answers for this for, uh, until 
three or four years down the road. Just like, you know, we may not know about Doc again for three or four more right. years. You know? I mean, you could put Doc into Montreal and maybe he becomes the player that everybody thought he was going to be. Even if that's just a 60-point player, if he becomes a 60-point player who plays defense as well as he does and gets from 35% face-offs to 44% face-offs, all of a sudden that's a really good number two center in the NHL. And you gave him away to get the number 13 pick in this draft, draft Frank Nazer, who everyone says is super exciting, but he's a five foot ten center that a lot of teams were like maybe a little more flash than substance. Like we don't know. Kid might be awesome. He might turn out to be great, and this looks like a genius move in, in, in hindsight. We're all making this up as we go along here because, like you said, we don't know exactly how it's going to pan out. But the risky moves they're making, to me, this isn't a rebuild. A rebuild is what you know Boston did, where they kept. Bergeron and Marchand and built around Pasternak and, you know, uh, McAvoy. That's and what Bowman was trying to do. Right. To, look what the Kings did. The Kings kept Drew Doughty and Andre Kopitar, and they became major players in this turnaround. The Blackhawks aren't rebuilding. They are raising it to the ground. Fire and ash. And <laughs> it's a lot harder to build it back up than it is to tear it down. So the burning questions now are 19 and 88. We have free agency starting at noon on Wednesday. It's also a day where... You know, oftentimes you do see some trades made, but uh, they can't be happy with the way things are going right now. Probably the thing they're happiest about is just one year left on their deal. It's tough. You know, I think they're in a really difficult position because I think deep down Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves want to be Blackhawks for life. They always saw themselves that way. Patrick Kane in particular, he's a big legacy guy, right? He has always wanted to go down as the greatest Blackhawk that ever lived. And he might already be that but he doesn't own any of the records. He's, he's got a, he needs several more years here to pass Stan Mikita, and he'll do it. He'll pass Mikita, he'll pass Hull if he gets the time. I think that means something to him, but he also doesn't just want to waste his 30s away playing meaningless hockey and babysitting some kids. Jonathan Taves, his whole identity is wrapped up in being the, the, the captain of the Chicago Blackhawks. It means everything to him. And the thing is, Taves would be great during a rebuild. Uh, you've been around long enough to know how good he is with young players. Yes. Both Kane and Taves, you know, all the young players gravitate towards Kane because they all grew up watching him and, and worship him. And then Taves is the first guy that invites you out to dinner, makes you feel like you're part of the team, works on you with uh, face-offs after a, a morning skate. They're both terrific. They would be great pillars of a rebuild. But... They're seven years removed from their last playoff series win. Do they want to just be starting the process right now? And I would imagine if Kyle Davidson had his way, uh, there's a couple of, you know, veteran blue liners still on this team making four or five million dollars a year. We're not even talking about Seth Jones, that if he finds a taker, wouldn't mind, you know, oh, they shopping love to them around. Connor Murphy right now. And they love Connor Murphy. But, but yeah, Jake McCabe, these guys don't fit in what they're doing right now. They just don't fit the model of what they're doing. They're in the way. And they're, you know, they're good experienced veterans, but they, they're both on the early part of a new contract. That's a tough thing to move in a mostly flat cap NHL. Like you can't trade Connor Murphy right now. You can't trade Jake McCabe right now. Especially McCabe coming up an awful season, you'd be trading, selling low on him. So they're kind of stuck with those guys when they have 937 defensemen knocking on the door in the system and there's nowhere to put them. You wrote how Peter Mrazek was like a perfect goaltender to acquire with what the Blackhawks are trying, trying to lose. To right Peter Mrazek's your so guy. So it's Peter Mrazek and question mark, question mark, question mark. I, I, I feel like Kevin Lankinen makes sense to bring back. Everybody likes Kevin Lankinen. He's exactly the kind of goalie they, they would want where he's good in the room. He's not good enough that he's going to steal so many points that it ruins the tank. You know, he's content in a number, not content, but, you know, can work in a number two role. He won't cost a lot of money. It makes sense to me to bring him back, or even Colin Dealey, something like that. You're not going to bring in another veteran goalie, I don't think, because Morazic fills that role. And Morazic, he's coming off an awful season. He was a fine goalie, perfectly average goalie, but they, they, they took him on to move up in the draft. That's a quote-unquote bad contract, just like Brett Connolly, who was just being bought out today. Yeah, and, and you know, speaking of the target being top three next year, 
I know The Athletic just did a fan poll with a lot of questions in terms of how Blackhawk fans are taking I feel like this. we should do another one after this, this was, last week, Yeah, right? this was before <laughs> the Debrinket and Doc trades. How do you think fans are going to take this and attendance will be this coming season when now the one goal turns into top three pick for next year? I, I think those are two very different things because I do think fans are largely on board with this. They are, they're sick of the mediocrity. I, understand, I, I, don't, I, I hate tanking on principle. I hate it with every fiber of my being in all of pro sports. Hate it. I blame the Cubs for ruining sports for everybody for it. <laughs> they succeeded, give everyone else cover. But the attendance is going to take a huge. Why would you pay money to see this team? They're actively trying to lose. Why would you? It's five hundred dollars to go take a family of forty to United Center. That doesn't even qualify food and parking. I mean, it's very expensive, and you know, it's going to be bad. Like it's it's not going to be two thousand four level bad, two thousand three level bad, where there's five thousand people in United Center. But we're looking at ten, twelve thousand probably a night. And you know, it, it'll be great because you can buy tickets for 10 bucks on the secondary market. That's what we've seen the last couple of years. Attendance has remained high because all those people who got priced out during the glory years have been able to kind of get their foot in the door for cheap now. And that's been fun. It's actually been kind of a fun atmosphere at the United Center, even though they've been bad. But this is yeah. a bridge too far, I think.